So I think it's good for us this morning to remember this week the um, funeral of uh, Benedict XVI, our Holy Father, um, a man who had an incredible mind and heart, uh, served for eight years as our Holy Father, and then retired, which was, of course, his amazing gift to, uh, to the world. He felt that his body was just no longer able to keep up with the vigors and rigors of that world and that life. And so it was his decision to, uh, to let go. That's a, a powerful gift and statement, I think, for all of us to consider and to think about. And as a result of the course, then to receive uh, our great Holy Father, Francis, who guides us and directs us and astounds us every day with something fresh and new. So we want to pray in a special way for Benedict and um, offer our prayer, of course, for our present Holy Father Francis. Now, he's 86, but um, he still has some fire, and that's a good thing. So we want him to continue his journey. And also just to remember Father um, Thomas Park. His father died last Christmas Day, the day after Christmas, and... Um, There'll be a funeral for his dad this Wednesday at Holy Cross uh, Cemetery in Culver City. It's at 9.30 in the morning on Wednesday morning, so if you'd like to come just to offer a prayer uh, with and for him, that would be a a wonderful gift. And uh, I know that Father David and Father Prosper and I are going to be over there uh, to be with him on that day, and so we want to support him and encourage him. His mother is uh, still alive and very fragile. Uh, and probably won't be there, but his sister and family and brother will be there and others. So uh, we want to pray in a special way for that good family today. So brothers and sisters, the epiphany. It's, um, it's a powerful feast. And um, I thought a lot about it this week. I, you know, I mull over these things all week long and... Uh, What struck me was this. They they came gazing at stars. They came and found this special star. And they followed it. They didn't just gaze at it. They didn't just say, look at it. They actually did something about it. And what they found was the Messiah. They were looking for a king because that was the announcement that they would find a king but their king was a little baby in Bethlehem in a stable think of the surprise that they had when they saw that so I think that for us it's a good model for our lives. Events happen in our life. And the question is, do we do something about it? Or do we just gaze at it? Waste it, let it go. The word epiphany comes from a Greek, two words. Epi, meaning super above. And phania, which means manifestation. So a manifestation that is above the norm. 
something that's grand, something that is impactful. It doesn't have to be something beautiful or charming or great, but it impacts us in a strong way. That's that epi, that overcharge of the manifestation. And then, of course, once we have reflected on it, to do something about it. So I thought this morning I would talk about four things, four epiphanies that I've experienced. And I hope it will encourage you to do the same today, to think about these experiences, these manifestations, these supercharged manifestations that I hope have affected your life and that you've done something about it. The first for me was about 21 years ago. I've seen poverty. Not that I was terribly involved with it, but I've seen it and I know it. But going to Africa and going to that parish called Holy Cross, it changed my life. The poverty, I, I remember being in a, in a van with, I don't know, four or five of us, and we were going on our way, and we make this turn to go down the street, and there's this beautiful church, but right alongside it is a garbage dump, and the, the garbage is dumped out all over the place, and the smells, and the these kids on top of the... I mean, it's, it's squalor. And then to visit their homes, dirt floors, one room, utter poverty. And yet, my brothers and sisters, those wonderful people of Holy Cross are full of joy. When they come to liturgy, they sing their hearts out. They love God. They love each other. They're happy. And foolishly, I ask them, will you ever get out of this? And their response to me is, if God wants that, if God wants that, yes. So it, it, it was this super manifestation of, of a people. They even named one of their sons Lloyd. Could you imagine that in the depths of Africa? This poor kid's got my name. I don't know how he's surviving, to be honest with you. God love him. But their love, their love and their care. I wept all during that first visit. It just astounded me. And we've been back 21 times, bringing people every year so that they can experience that same epiphany, epiphania, supercharged experience. Something that really impacts their life. Second, also in Africa, 
after a couple of years, I start going to visit the Sisters of Charity. That's Mother Teresa's great community. And in Nairobi, not in Dandura, which is the other side of the city, but right in the smack heart of Nairobi, they have a center where kids are left at their doorstep. They have encephalitis, they have large heads and little bodies, and they don't live to be more than like 35 or 40 years of age, but they're totally incapacitated. And parents have no way to sustain it. So they leave them with the sisters. And these sisters, with great joy, with incredible spirit and energy, every day, feed, clothe, clean, take care of those children and adults. I foolish asked, foolishly asked one of the sisters, how long do you keep them here? She said, Monsignor, until they die. They're ours. They stay with us. And before we visit that place, we always say mass for those sisters in that beautiful chapel. It's a simple little chapel. There must be 50 or 60 of those sisters there. And they sing and they're happy. And on the wall of the sacristy, before I go out every year to celebrate mass, there's a quote from Mother Teresa. She says, Father, celebrate this Mass as if it were your first Mass, your last Mass, your only Mass. Isn't that beautiful? They live in that. I'm astounded by their hearts of service. I'm astounded that they spend their entire lives with these very, very poor, separated, distance kids who become adults and die there. It's certainly an epiphany. And it was for me. And we go back every year, help to support them, offer mass there, help with the breakfast, just to be a part of that community. The third epiphany was in the Holy Land. This is a little personal, so I hope it doesn't offend you. But there's a place in Galilee called Peter's Primacy. Now, I've gone to the Holy Land again 21 times. <laughs> and I've been there from my younger years to today. Just got back from... Holy Land this November. And I celebrate Mass each year at this place. It's right on the Sea of Galilee. And they've got a big statue of Peter kneeling down with his hands out like this and Jesus with his hands reaching out to Peter. Now mind you, Peter had denied and ran from his best friend, Jesus left him at the time of his agony. And the first words, the first meeting of Peter and Jesus after the resurrection, Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? 
He doesn't say, where the hell were you? (laughs) Do you love me? Then he says it again. Peter, do you love me? And a third time. Peter, do you love me? Brothers and sisters, when I was a young priest serving here at St. Monica as your pastor, I was all over the place. I was struggling mightily. I was a sinful man. And I remember going there on my first and my second and my third visit. And I said to myself, I'm Peter. I'm Peter. I'm denying my Lord. And I had shame and sorrow. But somehow, I heard the words, Lloyd, do you love me? Do you know what that did? Changed my life. I saw, as Peter saw, that our God is a God only of love. He's not vindictive. He doesn't remember our sins. He doesn't punish us. All he wants is our love. Wants us to change our hearts. And it was there in that place my brothers and sisters, that I found this great epiphany. The epiphany of the mercy, compassion, and care for a very sinful pastor. And it changed me. And I've been back there to remember it, not to forget it, every year since. And finally, my fourth epiphany. For two years during COVID, I celebrated Mass at 9.30 in this church every Sunday. It was empty. I remember on, we had Easter lilies for Easter, poinsettias for Christmas all through the church. But it was empty. For two years you were gone. It was a painful experience for me. I missed you. We're nothing without each other. We belong to each other. Now I know there was live stream and everyone was telling me how wonderful it was, but I couldn't see him. I didn't know what it was. I had to just walk in faith and somehow those two years changed my heart and I promised my God that when you return there would not be a Sunday that I wouldn't say I love you I love you It changed me. It built a different relationship, I think. I hope.
And I am so grateful, so grateful for you today. Epiphany. Manifestations of this incredible God. So my sisters and my brothers, that's what we celebrate today. The great epiphany, the kings, the surprise that it was a child, but he was savior of the world. And they made a difference. They did something about it. I'm going to ask you, think over your life. Look for those epiphanies. Ask yourself, what have they done? Have they made you something better? Something more lovable? Believing even more in the compassionate love and mercy of our God. So sisters and brothers, happy feast of the epiphany. And remember, I love you. Thank <clears throat> you.